Well, good morning, everyone. And for you who might be tuning in, and maybe you've never seen us before, my name is Pastor Patrick Rhodes. I'm the head pastor here at Bloomer Baptist Church. And I am so excited that you have tuned in for our modified church service. Some people are calling this church at home. Some people are just calling this a live stream. Some people are calling this online church. Whatever you want to call it, we are excited that you have tuned in today. And I just want to say welcome. And I want to say Good morning. Thank you. So I had a few people here yell good morning back at me, and it feels a little weird not to have 150, 200 people yell it. So I just want to say that, try this again. I want you at home to yell good morning. All right, I'm going to play Amona and Lee, my announcement people, and just say, I don't hear you. So <laughs> there's an obvious reason why I don't hear you, but I would like you to use your cell phone if you're techie enough. I don't want you to mess up your, your video and you're watching, but if you're techie enough and if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, you actually can comment while you're watching. And I would love to see you guys just say good morning in the comments. And that way I know you tuned in. I know you're watching with me and we can have a great fellowship together, even though we're apart. We've had some great fellowship. Oh, look at that. Somebody mentioned me in a comment. You know, thank you, Alicia Jacobson. This is so weird. Did you ever think you would see your pastor on Facebook while he's up here to preach a message? <laughs> Probably not. But it is so great that even far away, even at distance, we can continue to have fellowship together. I'm trying to put my phone down so we can focus on God. Um, but even, even far away, we can continue to have fellowship. We can continue to be the church. And we praise God that through this time, there are so many blessings, so many gifts. And just with this area alone, our Sunday school classes are able to have Zoom meetings, video chats, are able to continue discussion on Facebook, are able to continue via Bible having Bible studies over the phone. We've had numerous people who are taking advantage of this free gift we've given you of rightnowmedia.org. Over 20,000 video Bible studies are using them in their homes with their families. My kids have picked out each a Bible study for them to do. And some are using it to talk to their friends over the phone about. My wife and I are also planning on picking out a women's study and a men's study to be able to share with you and say, let's do this together, men women, children, and then let's connect during the week and talk about it. Enough about this, but, but again, I will just say to wrap it up, the church building might be closed, but we are very much alive. I love seeing these, these pictures that keep being posted about the church is not closed, the church is left on mission. Guys, we are alive, and let's let the world see we're alive. Let's let them hear the hope that we have. Today, we're going to be talking about welcoming the King, our Palm Sunday message in Matthew 21, 1 through 11. So I hope that you're turned there with me. Again, open your Bibles, Matthew 21, 1 through 11. If you normally use your cell phone for your Bible or your tablet, this might be a good time to get a physical Bible out because you're probably going to lose the message, me, as you're flipping your cell phone to the Bible app. If you need a Bible, let me know. Email me at the church, call me, text me. I will drop off a, a sanitized, germ-free Bible 
in a bag to your front porch. You don't even need to greet me. I'll make sure you have a Bible. Today is Palm Sunday, and we celebrate the arrival of a king. We welcome a king. But let me remind you, this is not just any king. We welcome the king. And if you're in Christ Jesus, this is your king. And as the church people, church body, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, is our king. So let me say that again. Today is Palm Sunday, and we're celebrating the arrival of a king. But this is not just any king. This is the king. And if you believe, if you follow, if you have confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, he is your Savior, then this is our king. This is what unites us together. But I'm not going to be deceived. I recognize that this Palm Sunday, that what we're celebrating, it looks quite different to all of you today. Well, for one, you might be sitting at home in your pajamas. Now, I have gotten some pictures on my Facebook page of people at home worshiping with their families. And it's been great to see some people have still dressed up. And I'm not saying that you're bad for being in your pajamas. I've got to admit it, I probably would be too. But I saw Lynn Gilberts has a tuxedo on. But Lynn, you're not fooling anybody. I can tell that's just a t-shirt or pajamas that looks like a tuxedo. But I love it. It's you. I, I saw the Brindle family all dressed up with ties and dresses and dress shirts. It's wonderful to see that even from our homes, we can worship God. But, but don't be deceived in thinking that you have to dress a certain way to be accepted by our God. We're accepted as we are. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't want to always be in an act of sanctifying us and making us more like him. Amen? So, today looks very different. We don't have any children's Easter program today. There's no waving of palm branches in this building. There's no Easter brunch today. Well, not here at this building, at least. Maybe you've got a casserole baking in your oven. If so, man, I wish you could share it with me. I love, love, love those egg bakes. But what we do now, despite it looking different, is of most importance I would almost say it's of more importance than anything we've ever done before. You see, we may be apart physically, but we are together spiritually. And as we worship God together, we do it even more now focused on the Word of God. <coughs> Excuse me, I've been holding back that cough. My throat's a little dry. Not sick, I promise. I didn't want to cough in front of you, but I just had to do it finally. Today, we celebrate Palm Sunday but in a lot of ways different, but in a lot of ways better. We celebrate with our families at home. We celebrate with our children and we show them how to open up the word of God someplace else beyond in our own, uh, someplace else besides in a different building. We show them we can worship God at home. We, should, we can worship God in a, in a park. We can worship God on the town square. And you know what? If this live stream thing keeps going, you might see me live streaming our church service from the streets of Bloomer in front of our crosses here on our hill um, from a mountaintop. Well, I'd love to drive to a mountain, but that's pretty far away. Here's the point. I think in a lot of ways, to quote a popular worship song, we have come back to the heart of worship. Possibly we've become 
we've, we've become more connected to God. Possibly we're becoming more in-depth. Possibly we're digging deeper. Possibly we're more intimately connecting ourselves with the King. We're taking our focus off of people briefly, off of programs, off of instruments or practices, off of the waving of the palm branches, the Easter bake-offs and the the children's programs, we're focusing on the Word. And guys, we need to be in the Word of God. We're going to look today to the Word of God in Matthew 21, 1 through 11, and we're going to see how Jesus was welcomed as king as he triumphantly came into the city. We're going to look to see the many different ways that he was seen, not just as a king, but we see different characteristics that come out of the scripture. We see glorious attributes, and we're going to look to then transition to thinking, how should we be welcoming this king in our lives? What kind of Jesus, what kind of king do you need to recognize Jesus as today? Let's read now from Matthew 21 verse 1 through 11. Please read with me in your Bibles, but I do have it up here on the screen for you as well. I'll read from the screen. We read this. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. Let me take a break there, and we'll talk about this more later, but can you just imagine the scene? I love to imagine scripture and and make it really come to life as I read it and take little breaks to really think about it. What does this look like? But just think about this. Jesus and his party, and not just Jesus and his disciples, but possibly thousands of people are following him to Jerusalem, not necessarily just because they're, they're following Jesus, but some of them just because they're making this pilgrimage to Jerusalem for this Passover season, this Passover time. Well, these people, Jesus and his disciples, they're walking here, and all of a sudden he tells his disciples, Go into that village in front of you over there. Hey, you see that village? Go there. You're going to find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Well, first of all, we see this divine, godly man of Jesus here that even though he's not there, even though he has not arrived there yet, and yes, some people think maybe he went there previously and made preparation. I don't think that. That's my view. I like to see this as a divine attribute of God that he knew that donkey and her colt would be right there. And not just there, but right at that time, he knew his disciples would be able to get them. But continue, look at this. He tells his disciples, don't just go into the village and look at this donkey and colt. Go into this village, untie them, and bring them to me. I need this donkey. I need this colt. And this all is written in relation to Zechariah 9.9 and fulfilling prophecy. But more on that later. But listen, untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall simply say, the Lord needs them. Now, now guys, I don't know about you, but I kind of, as I'm thinking about this, as I'm picturing this, and this was a mode of transportation Jesus didn't need it for himself. He just walked all throughout this ministry. Um, He needed it for us 
to, to fulfill prophecy and so that we would recognize really who he is. But, but this is a mode of transportation. Picture your driveway. Picture you have um, this wonderful car. Maybe it's, maybe it's a Pinto. Some of you don't even know what a Pinto is. I'm showing my age. Maybe it's a Mustang, a Charger. Maybe it's an S350 dually diesel for you farmers. Whatever makes you excited, I love my car. Now, maybe this particular owner of this Colton donkey didn't love him this much. I don't know, but it, it works for my point. My point is this. Picture your driveway and picture you seeing somebody walk up to your car and they're opening the door. They're looking for the keys. They're about to drive away with it. And all of a sudden you talk to them. And in Mark chapter 11, verse 2, I believe it is, and I believe in Luke, it actually says that the owner did greet them and basically asked, what's going on? And then this person just tells you, well, the Lord needs this. God needs your car. How would you accept that? Now, again, this is a different day. This is a different purpose. This is prophecy. And, and maybe this owner, and, and I really think too, he was just joyful and rejoicing because maybe he knew the prophecies. He knew someday the Lord is going to be coming into Jerusalem on a donkey's colt. And he sees these people come up to his donkey, to his colt, and they say, the Lord needs them. And he's rejoicing. Whoa, wow. They picked me. But here's this scene coming in front of you. And I just want you to think about how crazy this sounds. The Lord needs them. And Jesus says, the owner will send them at once. You will have no argument I mean, again, maybe you're that person about to steal that person's car, borrow that person's car for the Lord's will. You're being told by a friend, hey, friend, go get me that car. And you're going to be a little hesitant, but then you are guaranteed, I guarantee you, nothing will happen. You just tell him I need it, and he'll send it at once. This is a picture here. The Lord sends, sends his disciples, two of them, to get this donkey, and it's cold. The owner sees them, and says, and they tell him the Lord needs them, and he sends it. So verse four, let's continue. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, on the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on their cloaks, and he sat on them. Now, just brief explanation here. Some people want to think they brought the donkey and the colt and put on their cloaks, and he sat on them. Sometimes we put the wrong emphasis on the wrong word, and I don't think he literally like was doing the splits, trying to sit on both donkeys at the same time. I think what that Zim is in, implying is he's sitting on the cloaks. They didn't have a blanket. They didn't have a fancy seat pad to put on the donkey for him to sit on. So they put cloaks on it, and he sat on them on the full to, or on the colt to be able to fulfill this prophecy for us to see and recognize who he was and who he is. And the others cut branches. I'm sorry, most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the, on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, 
Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Now go back to that slide just for one moment. I want you guys to interact with me. On the count of three, I want us to all say that together. Hosanna in the highest. I want us to say it three times. One, two, three. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna in the highest. Thank you. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. The crowds were crying. They were pleading. They were screaming, Hosanna. As he came into the city, as he came into the town of Jerusalem, possibly hundreds of thousands or millions of people chanting this chant. And we continue with our scripture reading into verse 10. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from the Nazareth of Galilee. Thank you for reading God's word with me. May he bless your lives through this as we pay attention to his holy and inspired and living word. And as we move back to that title slide, that next slide, we see again, welcome the king. Today we're talking about a king, but not just any king. We're talking about the king. We're talking about our king. We're hopefully talking about your king. And we're going to see some glorious attributes of this king, Jesus. We're going to see how these people welcomed the king, Jesus, for who he was, a savior, a messiah, a prophet, a prophecy fulfilled, and more. But we're also seeing how in the end, they seem, all the excitement seems to start to die down. They start to turn their eyes away. And as people say, who is this? What was all that excitement about? Oh, just some prophet, Jesus. And just at first before they're recognizing him as the Savior, Hosanna, meaning save us. And then simply days later, some of these people, not all of them, but maybe some of them would be yelling, crucify him. Isn't it crazy how in some ways this paints a picture of who we are? At certain times of our life, we're screaming, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Maybe that's you now and you're screaming, save us, save us, save me, Lord. I need your help. This country needs your help. We need your mercy. We need your grace. But then the moment your problems fall away, you're the first one to be yelling, crucify him. As you're not worshiping him anymore, you're worshiping many other things in your life. And right now, it's easy not to worship those things. Right now, you scan through the TV, and it's the best of the NFL games, the best of... There's no current sports on TV, for the most part. There's no current sports in your life. There's no ballet cycles or dance cycles. We are truly just focusing on our family now. But we can still have idols that take the place of God. But back to the scripture... On this next slide, you're going to see that Jesus is a divine king. These are some of the glorious attributes of our King Jesus. We're going to talk about some of these. He's a prophesied king. He's a righteous king. He's a savior king. He's a gentle king. He's a peaceful king. He's a global king. He's a messianic king. He's a compassionate king. He's a prophetic king. He's a holy king. He's an authoritative king. And he's a coming king. And you're going to see all of these either in this Matthew chapter 21, 1 through 11, 
the coming verses or in the, in the prophetic scripture, the cross-referencing scripture that relates to this area of Matthew 21. Jesus came now for the first time into Jerusalem while humbly riding on a colt to rescue sinners, to be crucified as king. He will come again. And the second time, he'll be sovereignly ranging on a horse to rule over the sinner, to rule over the sin, and to be crowned king, victorious, and given all that he deserves. But at this time, he came as a king on a donkey, peacefully riding into town. Now, this has been said that it was the best of times, it was the worst of times, and this wasn't in relation to this scripture. This was by, um, it's said to be by Charles Dickens. I believe it's a book called The Tale of Two Cities. And I, I haven't read the book, but I do love that, that saying. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. I think we can kind of think about that saying when you read this scripture. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. You see, as Jesus came riding into town, it was seen by the people Thousands, hundreds of thousands, some have said millions of people. Some have said up to 2.5 million people, 2.5 million. There was a census taken. Hey, we just did a census. There was a census taken around this day, and it's recorded that there could have been 200,000 to 250,000 lambs slain. That's in the recorded history books. And in the Jewish law, you could have, I believe it's one lamb per 10 people for sacrifice, sacrificial services, for your offering. So if you do the mass, there could have been up to 2.5 million people in the city. Maybe not all at this time. Maybe it'd be throughout the week. Maybe not all watching him. But here's my point. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. We have, we're going in the middle. Hundreds of thousands of people possibly, seeing this King Jesus ride into town on a donkey and thinking, this is the best of times. The king has come. They would lay their cloaks down in front of him. They would celebrate. They would wave palm branches as they recognized him as a triumphant and great king. As they laid down their cloaks and as they waved these palm branches, it was supposed to be a symbol of devoting their loyalty to their king and saying, I support you. It's almost like if you were to bow in front of a king and you're telling that king, I am your servant, I am yours, I support you fully, you have my loyalty. This is what's happening here. They thought this to be the best of times as they thought this king would come and defeat the ruling government and their oppressors. He would go to war for them. But wait, Wait just a second. I think you can um, agree with me. We have the whole Bible, praise God. And we see this isn't how it went down, is it? What we see is Christ would go to war, but not on a horse, not with a sword drawn, not slaying people in his midst. It would be a physical war, but the physical would be involving his body being sacrificed, it would be a spiritual war for our souls. So the war wasn't against the Roman government, the, the, the oppressors. The war was against us and our sin, and we needed him. It was, in some ways, the worst of times. You see, it was the best of times for us, 
But in a way, it was the worst of times as Jesus entering into town knew exactly what was to come. These very people celebrating him, Hosanna, Hosanna, laying down their cloaks, waving the palm branches, were not even thinking about what was about to happen to this king. Jesus would go on later to say, as the people would lose interest and yell, crucify him, he would be hanging on the cross and he would say, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. At the end of this scripture, it says, who is this? And I think that's because already the people are trying to tra- starting to transition. They had this moment of excitement. Everybody's celebrating. Look at this king entering. And then it's, it's like the news. Hey, Mona, do you see what happened on news today? What was about all the excitement? What was going on? And then Mona says, oh, I think it was just some prophet. I don't, I don't know. They were already starting to transition. They're thinking, and not all of them. Maybe it's even a different group of people. But you see them changing from chanting, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us, to eventually yelling later that week, crucify him, crucify him. But you know what? Jesus came because he is all of this. He is a divine king, a prophesied king, a righteous king, a savior king, a gentle king, a peaceful king, a global king, a messianic king. Jesus knew that he would be betrayed, arrested, put on trial, tortured, whipped or flogged, hung on a cross with nails piercing his body. But he came anyway. It was the best of time. It was the worst of time. And so many of us wrongly think that we are living in the worst of times. I did say wrongly. I'm sorry, I, I know, we all have problems, we do. You, you're thinking right now, I am living in the worst times. You don't understand all my problems. I've got relationship issues, I've got financial issues, I've got time issues, I just can't manage my time, I have no time. I've got problems with my job, I don't have a job. I have addictions, maybe healthy addictions, maybe not so much. I have problems with my children. I have problems with my spouse and my marriage. I have illness issues. I have frailty or depression or anger. I've got personal issues. Maybe you think, this is not the best of times for me. I don't know what you're talking about, Pastor Patrick, but let me tell you this. We are living in the best of times still today because we have Jesus available to us. He is still riding into town, our town figuratively, on a donkey bringing peace to us and our souls. And this peace is open for any to accept. He has yet to to go into that Revelation's vision, that Revelation's image of coming in on the horse for war. We still have a chance. Isaiah 53 verse 6 says, All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's past to follow our own. But listen to this transition. Again, Isaiah 53, 6, if you're taking notes. It says, yet, there's that word, yet, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Yet there's still a chance, guys. Romans 3, 23 tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yet Romans 6, 23 says, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift Yet, of God 
is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, guys, we still live in the best of times because we still have an opportunity to accept this peace, this free gift, this eternal life, this hope into our life. And we do that through Jesus, this king triumphantly entering into the town of Jerusalem back then is still trying to enter into your life. Are we going to cry out, Hosanna, 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 save us? Are we going to accept him in the city? Are we going to yell, crucify him, crucify him? I saw a quote this morning, and this is later in my notes, but I'm going to say it now. It says, but could we be missing Jesus because he comes in humility? Could we be, be missing Jesus because he's coming in on a donkey in peace and we're looking for a different king? We're looking for a king coming in on a horse with a sword drawn, especially in this era that we're in where we want to talk about manliness. And I'm, I'm to blame too. Man, I want to think manly men have lots of swords and guns and they know how to shoot that bullseye. They know how to, yeah. You get the point. I don't need to get more detailed. Jesus didn't come on a horse with sword drawn. He came on a donkey to deliver peace to Jerusalem. He did come to make war, but a different type of war. He came to make war against our sins, and he's still available to make this war in your life today and to deliver peace and hope that you've never known, a peace and hope that you'll never understand until you surrender to him. The king is divine. That's our first one here. He is God, but he is also he's a human, but he's God and he's so much more than we can imagine. He's not just a king for the Jews either. He's a global king as he's for all the nations, the Gentiles, the Jews alike in his salvation, him being a savior and messianic king is still available to us today as well as for all of them then. This king was a global king and he was a savior king. Look, we've already talked about at least three of these. The first three verses show us greatly how he was divine. Jesus, a man divinely ordains where a donkey and a colt will be and at just the right time and for the needed purpose. And let me also note that this is said to be an unrowed colt, an unrowed fool. So we see again this divinely image that Jesus tames this animal. Just as he tames the storm, he calms the storm, he also had control over this animal to ride an untamed, unrowed colt or fool. And, and they, they, they are smart. They bring along the mom that's probably for a practical application to help keep it calm. I mean, just, you've got hundreds of thousands of people chanting, yelling. Um, maybe that was for their part. Maybe it was for our part to, maybe it was for their, their part to be safe. I know Jesus can calm this thing, but I don't want to be the one to be blamed if he gets kicked off. So I'm going to bring this, the mom with it <laughs> just to be safe. Maybe it's also because of fulfilling prophecy. Hey, several things to think about. Back to the note. Jesus tells the disciples, if asked to simply say the, Lord's need, the Lord needs these animals. What? The Lord needs these animals. He is a divine king, and this is just like all those I am statements. He's saying who he is. 
Now, this could also be taken to say the Lord needs these animals, God the Father needs these animals to fulfill the prophecy, but it's all through Jesus who is part of God, part of that triune God. He is divine. Jesus is seen also as a prophesied king in verses four on as we read that prophecy from Zechariah 9.9, which can I just say how amazing that is. We have a note of joy in light of the coming king. It specifies the exact way he would arrive. And the fulfillment we see here is truly amazing. This was wrote 500 years before Jesus came. Zechariah is listed as a minor prophet, but this is a major deal. And here would be quoted in the New Testament over 80 times. It was promised that he would come with a donkey and a colt. And it was promised, prophesied, that this would be available to him. It's all fulfilled. Jesus is the prophesied king. But Jesus is also seen as a righteous king in this prophetic scripture. And he is humble and mounted on a donkey. He's a humble king. As you read on, you see this overwhelming idea of a victorious king. As these people continue to chant, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us. Be victorious. And he doesn't deny any of it. In fact, Jesus allowed them to worship him. For the first time in his ministry, he's not, he, he's not quieting them. He's not doing a healing and saying, but go tell nobody. He's not telling them, oh, keep the crowds down. He's allowing these hundreds of thousands or millions of people to worship him because as Psalm 118.24 says, it says, this is the day the Lord has made. It is time. It is time. The people cry out, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Save us, save us, save us now, save us, King. Hundreds of thousands of people. Can you imagine the scene? Can you close your eyes and imagine, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Even that's quoting scripture. But can you imagine the hundreds of thousands of people crying out loud? I read a quote by Charles Spurgeon, which was saying, I posted this on my Facebook for you to see. He was saying that some people say that revivals are too loud. And maybe he can agree sometimes that they get a little too emotional. But he said, I think the church can learn a thing or two about this. We should be so excited, have so much enthusiasm of what Jesus brings to us that we too want to celebrate loudly like this. Now, that's my own words, my own paraphrase of that quote, but isn't that true? How loudly do we celebrate this glorious king coming into our life and how he is still every bit of these and more? Again, this literally means save us, and Jesus is saving us. And they were not simply pleading for action. They were recognizing who he was, but not fully. No, they wouldn't recognize, even his disciples would not recognize fully who he was until he had died on that cross and raised again. And then he, he would, they would look back and they'd say, whoa, is this what was happening when he rode into town on a donkey's colt? How did we miss it? Guys, are we missing it today? Let's use this time in our homes to reflect on this king Jesus. Let's welcome the king into our homes. Jesus comes as a gentle king. He's not trying to fight you. 
He comes into your life gently. He's nudging you. He's tapping your shoulders. He's saying, turn to me. He wants to see us use our own actions to turn to him willingly. He's not going to force your hand. But there will be a day and time when there's no more chance because he is also the coming king. And as we said before, he will come. There will be a day when he transitions from that donkey, that colt, coming in peace. There will be a time to when he comes in war. There will be a time when there will be a judgment. And 2 Corinthians 6.2 tells us the day of salvation is here. The day of salvation is today. Don't put it off. Don't wait. The best life you can have is with Christ. Jesus comes as a gentle king. He comes in humbly on a donkey. We don't read of him coming in as an earthly king with riches and fancy clothes and servants and a parade of possessions being shown off behind him. Kids, children, pay attention. Parents, if you're still awake, here's a Disney reference for you. Kids, here's a Disney reference for you. You'll get this. I was picturing as I wrote this. He doesn't come in like the scene from Aladdin where, where the genie makes him look like this fancy king. I don't think there was a king. Somebody help me. Prince, where he comes in as a fancy prince with fancy clothes, hundreds of servants and dancers and a marching band and all these fruits and vegetables and throwing money off to the crowds. That's not how Jesus came. He came as a humble king, not flaunting his riches, not flaunting his power, but displaying peace in a way that we didn't fully understand, but we can now. Zechariah's prophecy about Jesus also tells us that Jesus is a peaceful king. He makes peace with a donkey's colt. He makes peace with storms, and he makes peace between God and us. When Luke records this account, he notes how the crowds cried out, Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven, Luke 19, 38. But then as Jesus drew near the city and wept, he said, and again in Luke, it gives reference to this, if you knew this day, what would bring peace? Remember that the best of times, the worst of times? This is kind of what I'm relating this to. You see, Jesus was a compassionate king. And as a compassionate king, he wept as he came to the city. He wept as he saw the city. I think part of that was weeping for us with his compassion. But part of that was also him weeping for this statement. If you knew this day what would bring peace, he knew what he would have to do, but he would still do it. Romans 5.10 is the good news for those who are by nature enemies of God. Jesus is the good news for us. Jesus brings peace. We're reconciled to God through him, through Christ. We're also reconciled to one another through Christ. He is bringing a spiritual peace he is the prince of peace, Isaiah 9, 6. Jesus is a compassionate king, and he brings good news to the world. He brings good news to you. But are we accepting this good news? Today is a day of salvation. Don't put it off for tomorrow. Jesus is the light of the world, Luke tells us. No one comes to the Father but through him. Nothing makes sense unless looking through this light. We need him to understand what's happening around us.
We also see in Matthew 21, as we start to wrap up, this is the final one I think I have time for. Jesus is a messianic king. You see, they're yelling out, they're chanting, the son of David. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the city was shaken, asking, who is this? And some of them, some of them did say and shout, some of them were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Directly out of Matthew earlier on is a quoting, this is the messianic king which is said to come through the lineage of David. Jesus has been portrayed as the promised Messiah, the coming king who would Hosanna save them all. The crowds in verse 9 were shouting, Messiah, save us. But soon they were transitioned to just saying he's some prophet to chanting, crucify him later on in the week. And we'll be talking about that on Friday with our Good Friday service. How can it be good when we celebrate the suffering, torture, and crucifixion of this king? Tune in Friday to find out. But for now, let's have some application. You see, Jesus is king. Jesus is my king. Jesus is our king. And he could be your king. Accept him as king. You see, we need to trust him as Lord and Savior and follow after his ways. Jesus is a coming king. Will you be ready? Jesus is the coming king, but which attribute of Jesus as king do you fail to recognize? Do you fail to regularly see or to acknowledge? Are you noticing Jesus with all these attributes? And there's more. There's more things you could attribute to Jesus. There's more than what we can even understand or comprehend. And finally, the official takeaway. I hope you're taking notes. Hope you have a pen. Grab it now. Here it is. I want you, after hearing this message this week, to celebrate, to show, to pray, and to have faith. Celebrate the king's entry and his continued presence into your life. Show Show this king's glorious attributes to others in how you talk and how you walk. Oh, if we only understood how many people we turn away from Christ because they see us talk one way, but they don't see us walk in a way that represents how we're talking. Or maybe we walk a certain way, but we don't talk in a way that matches. Guys, we need to walk and talk the way that honors and glorifies God and leads people to him. Pray, include the King Jesus in your personal life every day, and faith. Have faith in the King and his kingdom. Through him, the impossible will come to be. Oh, I love to see how the worship songs always fit the sermon and we don't plan this ahead of time. I love to see how the children's message today fit into this whole idea. And we saw the egg get sucked into that, I think it was a Starbucks um, frappuccino jar You could have given me the contents, but I love seeing how the impossible comes to be. And that children's message, if you didn't see it, you can tune back in, shows us a great idea of that too. Guys, this week, celebrate the king's entry. Show this king's glorious entry, his attributes to the people you know. Talk about him. Pray. Include the king in your life and have faith that he will make the impossible come to be.
Now, I'll admit as we close, I did not talk about all those descriptors of Christ, the king, entering into the city. You can spend some time this week studying on your own those additional ones. You can also spend some time thinking about other ones. What did he miss? But let's focus on God. Let's focus on Jesus this week. Jesus now says, as he did that day, I come on a donkey for peace. I come not to slay you, but to save you. Isn't that powerful? Jesus comes to us not to slay us, but to save us. Allow this Savior into your life. Welcome him as king. Welcome the king. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for being our king, the king, in so many ways still today. I pray now that people, myself included, would welcome the King, you, into the lives more and more intimately with each day. May we see that the King isn't just this one type of King. The King has many glorious attributes. And these are great blessings for us to see today. Great blessings for us to celebrate about. Great blessings for us to share or to talk about. It's great blessings to live and walk in this truth. It's great blessings to pray about these things, and it's a great blessing to have faith in these attributes of God. Thank you, Lord, for sending your son, Jesus, to be welcomed into the city of Jerusalem as a king. And although it's hard to talk about, it's hard to see, thank you for sending him to be crucified, to be the final blemishless sacrificial lamb for us, that we might have the free gift of life. Life eternal through you. May we confess with our mouths and believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior of our life. Amen. I've prepared a song for you as we close. Say